This is a Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Novels, presented by Westside Honda and 204 Skate Shop. Motocross news from around the globe, but mostly between Emerson and Brandon. We're not experts over here, but we've got microphones. Check us out on the web at BigMXRadio.com. Welcome to the Big MX Show. This week on the show, we've got DNA Giroux, multi-time Saskatchewan Ladies Class Champion, Western Amateur National Champion, and 2011 Women's Canadian National Champion. DNA Giroux has done it all, and now looks to bring the Women's Series to a whole new level. This is her story as it stands today. Welcome to the Big MX Podcast Show. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line is Canadian women's motocross legend, DNA Giroux, um, 2011's women's national champion, and uh, even c- collecting a, a, a men's men's championship in the 85 class in Saskatchewan. Uh, DNA, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Just uh, sneaking away a little bit at work here to uh, record this, and uh, hopefully no one barges in on us at, uh, at any point to disturb it. But uh, inside the conference room here at work, uh, a great place to uh, get some good recording done. Oh heck yes! Excellent, excellent. So, uh, what do you what have you got going on now? I'm calling you at uh, your current place of uh, of work at Sh- uh, Schrader's Yamaha. What's your position there, and uh, what have you got going on uh, in the in your world right now? Well, yeah, I mean, I've been at Schrader's for, I guess, almost 10 years now. I started out here just coming after school when I was, like, 15 years old, cleaning bikes and right. making the shop look nice, and I've kind of moved up the ranks, and now I do all the accessory orders at the shop. So it's been pretty crazy, to say the least. I'm a busy person here. i got lots to do, but definitely enjoy the atmosphere of, you know, being able to see all my moto buddies that come in and, it's just a fun place to be at. And other than that, I mean, I've been busy with uh, the Canadian Women's National Series. My friend and I are in charge of getting all the sponsors for the Women's Series and all that and making it run smooth. So that's in full swing right now, and we're trying to make the best for the Women's Series. And then I'm also getting married in August, so planning a wedding on top of all that is kind of hectic. Busy girl, busy girl, and uh, I know last year you did some riding schools with uh, Jared Stock as well as uh, your friend there that you're you're putting the uh, the series together with you. Uh, will you have time for that this year with your busy schedule and uh, getting uh, getting the, the the wedding all put together, or, or are you going to focus on uh, work, the series, and uh, your hubby there? Well, I'm pretty good at multitasking, so I'd love to do as many schools as I can. I always like to get the kids involved and. You know, I've got a couple junior riders around here that I work really closely with and try and help them get faster. So I always try and make time for that kind of stuff. Excellent. Um, so, like, you're, you're, you're putting the, the series together, a series that you competed in for a number of years with a lot of success. Um, I, I imagine you take quite a bit of pride in being able to take it to uh, the next level. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I started the series right when, you know, it came about in 2006, so I've seen it at its very best and its very worst when we almost didn't even have a series. So um, when that was going to happen, Camille and I came together and thought, well, 
why don't we put the series on the Saturday amateur day? It could, you know, maybe help build the series grow and not be too intimidating for other girls to join. So we've been at that ever since. And, you know, sponsors come on board. It gives them a chance to, you know, grow their name and get themselves out there. So it's been a fun process. Excellent. And uh, and obviously that's uh, like you're uh, take a lot of pride in doing that. It's your little baby, if you will. And um, it's, it's it's excellent to see someone uh, who's who's worked hard and, and and had success in a series, and then giving back. Which uh, who better to know what it needs than someone who was at uh, in that series in the grassroots and uh, and seeing it, like you said, at its best at its worst. And uh, um, you, I, of course, you'd love to see the series. Uh, it gets to the point where you're watching the series and man, I wish it was like this when I was racing. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, exactly. And you know, I think we've gotten a lot of respect, not only from other riders and in the industry and from Mark, but, um, from the riders perspective, you know, they saw that me and Camille were previous racers and we have no department in marketing or, or any of that stuff. So we're just two previous riders that love the sport and don't want to see it go away. All right, so uh, let's let's t- jump uh, back a few years now, uh, before all the sponsorships, before the championships, possibly when you were uh, just starting to put stickers on the bike to uh, <laughs> to, to show show off some some of your favorite brands. Uh, how did your dad uh, introduce motocross racing uh, to your Amber and yourself? Uh, I believe he was a racer back in Saskatchewan as well. Yeah, my dad was the one who got us all into the sport. I remember when we were little, we'd always just go to the races and watch him ride, and he's really the one who got us into it. And I think I was three, and Amber was five when he bought us our first PW50 and had the purple skull graphics on it, and we got training nice. wheels for it. And there's a video of me riding it. My dad's running after me because I'm going too fast. He's telling me to slow down. <laughs> That's right on. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, uh, like, you got that PW50. Like, what was your progression right off the hop? Like, were you you a little bit timid of the thing? Or since it had training wheels, like, I I imagine this, like, at the age of three, you're learning how to ride a, a, a motorized bike long before you're able to ride with uh, on, a, on just a pedal bike. Oh, yeah. I was riding dirt bike way before I got on a pedal bike, that's for sure. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean... I think most of it came pretty natural to me because watch my dad all the time and being around him so much, um, a lot of it just came natural. But over the years, I really had to work for it. You know, when I got on the 80s, that's when I really started progressing to the next level and racing with the boys and banging bars with them. And after I kind of just plateaued for a bit, it was 2006, I think, where Brendan and I decided to go down to the Perform X camp in California with Todd Schumlich and he really brought us to that next level of, you know, learning how to eat right and training, going to the gym, what to do when we're out at the track to put in motos and really get us to that next level. Yeah, all those necessary steps that uh, um, without those, it's it's tough to get that next step. Like there's a lot of racers out there who can have that one lap speed or a lot of skills on the bike, but the the training regiment and the um, really putting in the work and the and the skills and the, the the drills that you end up doing, whether it be sprints, like twenty lap motos or whatever it is, uh, that's what takes you to the next level. Yeah, you have to be really determined to do that stuff and you know, set goals for yourself. I have so many friends who are 
like really talented on a bike, but would never put in the hard work to get anywhere with it. So yeah. if you if you don't do that, I mean, it's it's pretty pointless. You could just go out and have fun, but you're never going to get to that next level. Definitely. And uh, so getting back to your uh, your early days, uh, I guess racing alongside your sister, she's two years older than you. Uh, she moved up to 80s probably maybe the, a year or two before you did, but uh, your your favorite bike growing up, um, like everyone's got that bike that they look back fondly on and hope maybe they never sold it, maybe they wish they never sold it. Uh, what, what bike is that for you? Yeah, mine would have to be my YZ120, or sorry, YZ80. It was, um, that was the year that I won the boys class in, and that's something that I'll never forget. And I remember Mm -hmm. when Amber got her YZ125, and I was still in my 80s, she would beat me every single race we went to. So I always got those second place trophies for years and years. So finally, um, I think it was 2004, I was, my last year on my 80, I just got so fed up with her beating me all the time that I would go out to the track with my dad every single day after school and put in some laughs here at the local track in Yorkton. And soon enough, I was beating her on my 80. I don't think she was very impressed with that. No, squeezing a little extra power out of that 80 and uh, twisting the throttle a little bit, uh, a little bit more than sister bear. That's, that's, that's fun. I'm I'm sure the two of you had some uh, pretty ridiculous battles back in the day. Oh yeah, we did. And it made it pretty tense for at home suppers. I'll just say that. (laughs) yeah that's uh that's unbelievable um like i i imagine the two of you even on race day uh uh not wanting to have lunch with each other uh after uh, a hard-fought battle on the track oh yeah there was pretty tense in the trailers at times we just kind of go our separate ways fair enough uh who'd you look up to when you were growing up like uh who'd you idolize or watch or or uh, who was your favorite rider well my dad was always number one i always wanted to be just like him and ride a bike didn't matter if I was a guy or a girl I just wanted to do what what he did and then as I grew up and got to see some stuff on the internet and on tv I always looked up to Tara Geiger she is my number one girl idol she's got the thickest style on a bike and is still riding to this day so I'm uh would love to follow her footsteps yeah, she's unbelievable on the bike, and as well, she was riding the Yamahas for a long period of time. Flipped back and forth with Cowies, uh, with different sponsors, but not, but, uh, definitely for a young Yamaha, uh, dedicated rider, um, someone to look up to for sure. Uh, what about on the men's side? On the men's side? Oh my god, I love Ryan Dungey. I remember, um, when we went to the WMA race in Millville, this was like 2009, my dad and my stepmom and I went down there. And we were pitted in the pro parking, which was like the coolest thing ever. You got to pit beside Ryan Dungey and Chad Reed and all those guys. So we were pitted right behind the Suzuki rig. And Ryan Dungey had his big motor home sitting there. So we parked our lawn chairs at the end of our trailer. And Ryan Dungey would always come walking around the trailer. And then we'd always get a sneak peek at him. Kind of creepy, but whatever. <laughs> Hoping he pops out in his underwear at some point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, what kind of success did you enjoy as an amateur? Uh, who are your rivals in the Saskatchewan area and even even nationally? I know you did some Raymond Nationals grabbing uh, a ladies' championship as well as five ladies' championships in Saskatchewan. So that's uh, that's quite a bit of clout coming out of a, a, a rectangular province. 
Well, yeah, I mean, in Saskatchewan, there weren't too many girls in our class. I mean, we only, when we started the women's class, it was myself, Amber, my mom, and one other lady, so the four of us. But as the years grew, we'd get more and more girls, and it was a pretty fun time. Yeah, I did win, you know, five provincial championships in that, and my favorite one is always the 80 class, beating all those boys, because they were never happy with that. That's something we've never seen in Manitoba. We've we've had some dominant ladies here in Manitoba, but uh, I, I'm yet to know of any uh, uh, female who's stood atop the podium for an entire uh, series uh, with the men. That's uh, a, a giant congratulations on that one. That's wild. Well, thanks. And, you know, there is another younger girl here from Yorkton, uh, mm-hmm. Kennedy Lutz. She's okay. won a few men's championships in the provincial series, so she's hmm. doing a lot better than I am. I was gonna say that uh, uh, that that's your your, your up and comer for the for the Saskatchewan uh, doing you proud. Oh yeah, for sure, and you'll see a lot of her this year. She'll be doing the the West Nationals, and I'm I'm sure she'll be on the top of the box for at least one round or two. Right on. And uh, for the national series, like who who are your main competitors? Like uh, I gotta imagine there be some like. Uh, uh, Rachel Stringman, uh, Camille, like your, your, your friend there, as well as um, uh, Jessica Foster? Oh, yeah. Like when we started the series, um, there was always Jessica, Mallory, Jolene, all those girls. Those were like the top girls. And as we got faster, you know, Camille, Rachel, and I, we started keeping up to those girls. And that was our little group that we always battled with. It was myself, Rachel, Camille... Um, Carly Posnikoff was in there. Amber mm. was always in there. Mm, I wonder who else there was. I think that's it off the top of my head. But, yeah, we always had some good battles there. Excellent. So I, I got to imagine, uh, like, motocross, uh, it's it's the boys' sport, if they like, they, like they want to call that. Uh, like, what kind of challenges did you grow up with? What was it like growing up in uh, very much, uh, it's like, uh, for lack of a better term, it's a bit of a sausage fest, the track. And um, uh, how did you deal with that? And maybe there's a few stories that you can share of uh, some uh, uh, maybe not so good natured uh, criticism. Yeah, for sure. This is a, a men's dominated sport. And I mean, in Saskatchewan, we're so family oriented and everybody gets along. Cheers for there, the riders. So. so, yeah, I mean, in Saskatchewan, it wasn't a big deal. Everybody was pretty good about that whole situation but I really started to notice it once uh, we got to the national series and you know we the girls were always put as just the the side show so the guys yeah. could take a rest and get ready for their next moto so we wouldn't have you know the audiences like like they did for their motos and you know just little respect from a lot of the the industry people too and you know i notice it now especially helping out with the series trying to get sponsors from big manufacturers well none of them want to do it because none of them really believe in the women's side of racing yet and it's unfortunate that that's the way it is but i mean there's nothing nothing we can really do about it well that's that's like like, an interesting thing because i know like on like I do the the race day announcing at the track, and I notice like the the obviously the A class for the men they come up to the line and people kind of line the fences a little bit. And uh, for uh, there's at times when uh, when the ladies step up, uh, it's a, a great opportunity to go grab a hot dog. Um, but like not just like I I don't agree with that, but 
Uh, you moving the ladies division into Saturday kind of makes them a bit of a premier class on the amateur day, which is uh, an excellent um, venue for them. It gives them basically uh, priority over uh, the other classes. Is that is a professional series, uh, and um, often the, those uh, the fastest girls on the day are right up there with the fastest um, intermediate men. Like they're uh, they're just like they're right in there. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, um, I had mentioned this to you before, but if you were to stick um, an intermediate rider out on the track with Colton Fasciati, of course mm-hmm. he's going to look slow. Absolutely. So, obviously, Absolutely. when we were riding on the Sunday with the guys, sticking all of us out there where there were only, you know, top five girls who were faster intermediates, of course we're going to look slow out there. Mm-hmm. So, putting this on the Saturday amateur day um, really highlights the women. Yeah, and through the comparison, it allows them to really shine. Whereas, like, you put um, even a girl like uh, Ashley Fialik or or Ricky Golden against Ryan Villapoto, like, there's you're, it's you're not, you're not comparing apples to apples there. It's so yeah, how how is that series supposed to um, like create any degree of legitimacy when they're like you know what I mean? Like, there's the the disparity is so much and uh so like it just their the view of that series is um and the the women's racing in general as far as the pro side when put on the same day as the men it's just that the respect isn't really there if you know what i mean yeah no i totally get that for sure and you know even racing down in the states i noticed that too that you know the guys would have their motos and then as soon as the women pulled up a lot a lot of the spectators would just leave because, of course, not all the girls are doing the huge jumps like all the guys are. Yeah, not too many girls uh, launching LaRocco's Leap, but uh, I'm sure there's a few that have. Oh, yeah. You know, you always get your top, you know, three or five or ten girls that are super fast. And, you know, they're still not even comparable to the guys. So I got to imagine there's a few times when uh, uh, beating some of the men... Uh, like, do you actually, do you get the sense that they get a little bit more aggravated when someone passes them and there's a, a, a ponytail hanging out the back of the helmet? Oh, definitely. Oh, my gosh. In the 80 class or, like, the junior class, none of those guys ever wanted to get beat by a girl. So as soon as I passed them, they were, like, on my rear end trying to take me out all the time. But I remember yeah. there was this one time in the 80 class, um, we had just finished our moto, and I think the kid finished, like, two behind me. And I pulled off the track to say good job to the guy behind me. And he pulled off. And I was like, oh, good job, buddy. And his dad was standing there with his arms crossed, pulled him over, and, like, legitimately started yelling at him because he got beat by a girl. I was like, really? Come on. Is it really that bad? All right. Here's some commercials. Make sure to listen to them all. And we'll be more from DNA right after these. Make your way down to Westside Honda Polaris and check out the brand new Honda Grom. Honda's revolutionary 125cc fuel-injected mini-moto ultimate weapon. A must-see for all motocross enthusiasts. From the Grom to the usual suspects like the CBR600RR, CRF450R, Westside Honda Polaris of Suffolk, Manitoba has you covered. Check them out on the web at westsidehonda.ca. Call toll-free at one 888 
So, do you like stuff? Or possibly things? How about a huge selection of motocross and street bike gear from apparel brands like Troy Lee Designs, Alias, Icon, and power bands every single color you can think of? How about 25 years of custom suspension and motor service for a full service shop, all of which you can find at Capital Motorsports? Mention this Big MX podcast to receive a VP gas can with spout for only $40, as well as 100% off your next set of motocross tires. Just kidding, we can't back that up, but ask for about it anyway. Check out Capital Motorsports at 157 St. Anne's Road, Winnipeg, Manitoba, or call them not so toll free at 204 237 6686. wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. Pro at the age of 16, 2010 World Supercross Champion. I am Ryan Dungey, and I've been so good looking. since 2006. Sometimes in order to succeed, you got to be willing to fail. With fear, there comes that taking away the everything that you're created to be. It's kind of a self-imposed prison. Almost got to let go, let all the hard work and dedication that you put into it carry you forward and carry you through the whole race. That's hey, I I I got I I must admit I'm I'm not a big fan of it, but uh, if uh, if I if I'm get get blown by by a a, a female, it's uh, all the power to her. Like I'll uh, definitely pick it up a notch to uh uh get that position back but uh uh all the all the power to the ladies that can uh can put put down the fast lap times and uh as far as as far as the progression it's all about track time like if if uh, a woman ends up riding a whole lot more than me it's not un uncommon to think that she's going to be able to uh figure out her bike figure out the track and uh put the power to the ground yeah exactly i mean for the most part we get a lot of respect from other riders but you know there's always that one guy who who's mad about it Mm -hmm. so uh you said that you're a bit of a natural um but uh, especially watching watching your dad ride and um i guess like when 2006 came around uh we're talking about like about 17 years old you head down south uh, to california and uh how much did did that uh that training program really like take you from a fast, fast local rider to a national powerhouse. Yeah, I mean, at first, the first year that I went down to California, it was so intimidating. I remember because I was the only girl in the performance house, and we would go to these tracks, and they'd be packed, like 100, 200 people out on the track, pros, intermediates, fast guys. 
and Todd would be like, okay, we'll put your gear on and let's go out there. I'm like, oh my God, I've never been on this track before. You have to do all the jumps within like the first two laps or you'll get landed on. So it was intimidating to say the least. But Plus when a I bunch came, of guys looking at you like they've never seen a girl before. Yeah, exactly. So when, <laughs> But when I came back here, it was great. I mean, I had the highest confidence ever because I've just been down in California for three weeks riding with the best of the best. And mm-hmm. I know that I could stand my own ground riding out with all those guys. So it really just took me to another level. That's 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 excellent. Uh, so you turned pro in 2006. Uh, who was helping you out? I know you're still on Yamahas uh, back when, uh, well, it's, it was a carbureted machine up until this year. But, uh, yeah, the two, the, it was on a 125 or 250? I was on a 125 for the first year, I think it was, the first year. And then I went to the 250F. Okay. But yeah, Schrader's has always been a, a huge part of my racing career. They've always helped me out with bikes and with parts. And mm-hmm. my first gear sponsor was Fox. I was super pumped that somebody would just want to give me gear to wear. Oh, and I, then, that was the the big the big company to to look up to, especially in the early two thousands when either one of us would have been just starting to watch Supercross on TV. Ricky Carmichael, James Stewart, all the all the best guys were at Fox, so that's a, a huge huge uh, sponsor for you. Yeah, even exactly. just to get product. Yeah, for sure. And then throughout the years, I mean, I've gotten so many sponsors and great people on my side. TLD has always um, been a big part of my my career and Joe Skid from Suspiria Suspension Settings because those mm-hmm. bikes are so heavy he makes them the best rideability for me which was uh, a huge thing and Yorkton Dodge um, Dragon Goggles and then the year that I was on the the Yamalube Schrader's SMX team yeah with Moffenbeyer and those guys yeah those two are crazy if you've never met them before <laughs> those two together are <laughs> Crazy enough to ride a crazy enough to ride a 252 stroke in the 250F class and take home a, a national win. Yeah, the guy's a boss. He's super funny and <laughs> great on a bike. He'll be on a 250F this year, but I'm I'm yeah. hoping he wins it all. Yeah, hey, he's got some. He's got the speed, and uh, you can win one national. He can definitely uh, um, turn that into a few wins. Um, just quickly to, to talk about the bike. Uh, you came on a 125s. And, um, but the, the 250F, how different is it to set up a, a, a motocross bike to go fast at 125 pounds rather than, uh, the, the 180 that your, uh, your average, well, maybe not 180, but, uh, definitely a heavier, uh, racer would. Yeah. I mean, the 250F was a big jump. It was so much heavier, but it was so mm. much easier to ride though because of the power. Yeah. And, I mean, the biggest thing was suspension. That was always number one. So Joe helped lots of that. And then, I mean, throughout the years, I just got comfortable on it and was able to kind of throw it around a bit once I got my training in gear and felt comfortable. And then, mm-hmm. um, I guess, the only year that I actually did anything to the bike was 2008. We put a, a high-compression piston in it. And that yeah. was the only year I've ever done anything. And a pipe. A DRD pipe, but that's yeah, all I need. Yeah, a little Dr. D pipe and uh, twist the throttle a little bit harder to, to get those lap times to drop. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, 
illustrate your experiences on the the series. I, I know there's a lot of shenanigans that goes on in the Canadian series. Uh, you're you're out, out there with a couple of characters like Moffenbier and uh, uh, sh- like the two Shans, Sean Robinson and Moffenbier. The two of them are an absolute riot. Um, <laughs> a little bit of some of the like, stories of maybe some uh, some what have you, some of the tracks, as well as what was your favorite track, uh, whether it be East Coast or West. Ooh. Well, it was always fun traveling to the races. I mean, before I was on the the pro teams, my dad and I would go to the races in this 1978 Ford Motorhome. This thing was a gem. Everybody would be showing up to the race in in these big motorhomes and trailers and whatever, and we'd just show up in this little motorhome that could barely make it there. Every time we left Yorkton, I'm like, oh, my God, like, can we please just make it to the next round? And I know, um, when was it, 2006, all six of us and my family loaded up in the trailer and went to Walton. Mm-hmm. And um, on our so way back... That's a serious track. Yeah. On our way back, we were driving through the States, and I was sitting there, I'm like, get up to go get something to drink, and I could see the highway from the floor. So I'm that's like, um, I think something's wrong here. So they looked, and the way the trailer was pulling down the back of the motorhome, it had just ripped it right from where it was attached. So it was just kind of dangling there. So we had to get that fixed. But, you know, multiple times of things just not working right in that that motorhome. The windows would always fly open, and the door would never stay shut. The fridge would stop working. <laughs> it's pretty endless, but it was. we called it the fun bus. Oh, the fun bus was having some issues. Yeah. Uh, seeing the the pavement below you is never a good uh, a a good thing when you're you're trying to go across the uh, the vast stretches of um, many provinces between uh, all the way yeah Walton, then all the way back to uh, you guys were in Yorkton by the by the yeah. time yeah Yorkton Saskatchewan where you currently reside. Uh, and so which, which tracks do you like best as far as the Canadian series goes? When we went out east, I always loved Moncton. And mm-hmm. for some reason, none of the guys will ever like it because of the big rocks and pelts you get pelted with. and bunch of but sissies. It, was, it just reminded me of stuff back home, you know, like really hard pack and Saskatchewan mm-hmm. style. And then out west, my favorite track was always Edmonton. Mm-hmm. It was a flat surface, but they had some... Some huge jumps, which is what I always love to do is the big jumps right on. Um, so you've you've been re- forced into retirement with your uh, your Achilles injury that you sustained in two thousand and twelve um, did you did you ever try and qualify for a, a men's national or I guess that was possibly a, that was a bucket list uh, uh, thing for you for for quite a long period of time. Yeah, I mean, that's always been something I've wanted to do was to qualify for a men's national. And I really wanted to that year, but I just, I was never feeling like 100% comfortable on any of the tracks. So I just decided, well, next year will be the year, 2013. And later that year, 2012, September, the last provincial race of the year, I mean, not even a cool story or anything, but my foot just came off the peg and got caught in front of it before I went off a jump. So when I was going off the jump, my foot was still on the ground and got caught underneath the foot peg and just ripped my Achilles in half. Oof. So that uh, 
ended that. That's not easy to come back from. That's uh, extensive surgery. And then once it's healed, then you have to, like, there's a lot of scar tissue and like, uh, it's a, it's a long, long, long recovery. Yeah. And you know, when it happened, I went to the hospital in Regina and they told me it was just a sprain. So I'm like, oh, okay. Even better. So I tried walking on it for about a week and probably made it 10 times worse. And when I went to the hospital, yeah. yeah, when I went to the hospital here, they were freaking out and I got sent in for surgery that day. And I mean, it took over a year for me to walk half normal and it's still about, my calf is about half an inch smaller on the left side than the right side. No, no, you're asymmetrical. Yeah. That's not good for beach weather. No, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, a friend of mine had the, a very similar injury, and uh, he was very upset that his uh, his once monstrous calves, he uh, has now shrunk, one has shrunk down to be uh, um, not not so impressive. So uh, that's, that's definitely something. And it also affects your gait, the way you walk, and, and you favor one side. So it's, it's tough to, to get that back. Yeah, it was really tough on the hips from walking lopsided for so long. And the way that mm-hmm. mine ripped when they put it back together, it's okay. about a it's about a half an inch shorter on one side. So oh. it took many months of stretching that thing out to get it to even somewhat normal walking. Is that still something that you have to stay on top of today? Oh yeah, like when I get up in the mornings, it takes a good, you know, ten fifteen minutes before I can walk normally. But yeah, lots of stretching. And lots of gym stuff to, to keep such it up as to the, speed. Such is the life of a ex-pro motocross racer, always uh, daily dealing with uh, some sort of injury that uh, you no doubt sustained along the way of having quite a bit of fun in uh, in your, your days. Yeah, I mean, I've had uh, more than a few injuries in my time, and mm-hmm. I'm sure one day it'll catch up to me, but I'm just trying to enjoy the now as I can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 25 years old. I think you have a, a few years before uh, uh, you can't get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Um, but it's um, going like like to what? Uh, trying to fast forward to where you're at now. Um, you're you're retired, but uh, you're still very involved with the series. Uh, Camille and yourself uh, did as well as um, Jared Stock did some did some riding schools last year. Uh, you plan on doing more of those today? And uh, what do you plan to bring to the women's series uh, for 2014? Or maybe maybe it's something you can kind of break breaking news right now. Yeah, I mean we're just kind of finalizing everything right now. We've got most of the sponsors on board again. I mean we've got great whole shot prizes for every moto. Every girl gets a uh, hundred bucks for a whole shot and a pair of Scott goggles from TMK nice. Motorsports. And then for each round, we have a a $500 purse sponsored by a different sponsor for each round. So for Nanaimo, there's Mile Zero, River City mm-hmm. for Kamloops, and we're still working on Blackfoot for the Calgary National. So you get $500 purse for the top five, plus yeah. you get 100% payback from for the top 10 mm-hmm. for however many girls sign up. Then yep. at the end of the day, at each round, we set up a draw table for every girl that signed up for that day to win a prize. So we've got prizes from Alternate Groove, uh, Flying Dragon, PRMX, Fox, Trolley wow. Designs, um, an Atlas Brace, um, Motovan. We might have to send a care package from Big MX then. Hey, yeah, that would be sweet. 
Yeah, I'll have to figure something out for you guys. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try and see if I can invest in a blonde wig so maybe I can rip a whole shot or two and, uh, and get myself some goggles. I know some of the guys that race the pro nationals were pretty jealous of all the stuff the girls were getting. For sure, yeah. And like obviously probably a whole lot more stylish than a uh, than what the men are, are, are getting. Yeah, and it's a little more laid back. I mean, we try and make it a fun atmosphere for all the girls. It's not so tense like all the guys stuff is i mean we don't have a, a huge serious purse or anything right now we're at about five thousand dollars but i mean everything helped absolutely hey that's uh that's a, like to win that five thousand dollars uh a great way to cover some some expenses that it takes because it, it's not a not a very cheap sport whatsoever especially to do at the national level yeah i mean you're right right on it i mean it's not cheap to travel all across western canada to do what mm-hmm. we do and Every little bit counts. Excellent. So, um, more of a more of just a fun question. Uh, you're uh, you you and your fiance ride quite a bit together. Uh, are you faster than him? <laughs> okay. Well, some days I'd like to say yes, I am because at our Yorkton track here, we both so put so many laps in, and we'd always practice together. And there would be days that I would stay right on him. But he will never admit it. He'll always pull off and be a little mad. But I wish Fair I could enough. stand faster than him. But some days we're the same speed. Fair enough. And uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm sure the uh, the lap times don't lie uh, as far as that goes. Um, <laughs> what what advice do you have for up and coming, whether it be uh, either for for a women's race, uh, women's racer coming coming up and uh, trying to make their name in the Canadian motocross? Yeah, I mean, it's all about working hard. I mean, it took me six years to get me my first national championship. So it doesn't come easy. It takes lots of practice. You have to put in all the hard work and dedication to get there. And try and do as many races as you can. Go to different places. Meet a bunch of different people. It's it's all helpful. Don't be afraid to travel. It's a grand country. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. So that uh, that wraps up our, our questions for you. Like, uh, is there anyone else you'd like to thank along the way um, from for all like basically your your entire uh, career so far? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't do any of this without my family, my parents, uh, Brendan for always letting me take the weekends off to do what I love, and Schrader's for always being a a big part of what I do, and you know. I get so many emails and stuff from people from the blogs that I do from MXP just about how inspiring or something that I've done has affected other people. And uh, I can't thank everybody who reads that stuff or who has followed my my career for the Excellent. many years. And it's just been and very grateful. Oh uh, yeah, I hope this uh, this podcast will uh, serve as a uh, something that uh, a lot of aspiring uh, women who are racing can uh, can look up to and listen to and get inspired to uh, start taking taking on more challenges on the track and, and taking on the boys with a lot of confidence. Yeah, exactly. I'm hoping that one day the women will be just as equal as the men are, and we'll see lots of girls out there riding in the men's classes and qualifying for the men's nationals. So it'll take time, but we'll yeah. get there. Sky's the limit. All right, now it's time for the uh, 204 Skate Shop uh, burning questions. There's three of them. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Uh, which famous motocross racer did you crush on as a youth? 
Canadian or the U.S.? Either one. Ryan Dungey. Ryan Dungey? The, yeah. She's a Dungey fan. That's not, yeah. not uncommon. He's a, he's a beautiful looking man. Oh, he's so uh, good looking. <laughs> especially just wearing uh, the motocross boots, right? Yes, I have that picture here at the shop. Of course you do. <laughs> um, what's the biggest oops moment you made by working on your own bike? Ooh. Is there too many? I stripped, to out, a, I stripped out a bolt once when I was changing the oil. Yeah, I think we've all done that. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah, like uh, yeah, like I've, I've definitely done that one. I've also um, pumped up the tires before leaving and then forgetting to drop pressure when you, once you get to the track and trying to make your way around a motocross track with uh, 50 pounds PSI in the back tire doesn't exactly work all that well. Yeah, especially in the Saskatchewan, Manitoba area when it's dry and slick all the time. Oh, absolutely. It was like uh, racing slicks, but uh, <laughs> not l less fun. Um, who's better at trash talking at the races, women or men? Ooh, the men, obviously. They're better at trash talking. It's just oh, yeah. a yeah, just a fun time over at uh, the women's side. Oh yeah, we always get along. There's none of that. Well, thank you so much for doing the the Big MX podcast show. I, I really appreciate you coming on uh, today and to tell your story. And um, yeah, we'll we'll look forward to hearing from you more as the the, the summer progresses. Well, thanks so much, Brad. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Uh, have a great day. Yeah, you too. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content. Scott!